Hello and welcome. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, you're listening to the Two Beers Please podcast. I'm here as always with my buddy Matt. Matt, say hi to the people. Hey, yo. There you go. He's here. It's not just me talking to myself, I promise. Uh, there are two of us. That is important for you to know. Otherwise, uh, I'd be concerned. That's all I'll say. You were, you were, you were almost going to be talking to yourself, and I said, no, I'm going to be here today. <laughs> You're going to be there today. I'm glad because my parents know what it's like for when I talk to myself. It's not nearly as fun. It's just it's just a lot of rambling. I feel like I was thinking about this the other day because I was like, I feel like I like do a lot of inner monologue stuff, and I'm just like, is this just like an actor thing? Because I feel like a lot of actors like, talk to themselves like i'm constantly talking to myself maybe it's not just an actor thing but i i feel like we do it maybe a little bit more i think it's a creative thing too right because creative people they have all these weird fucking ideas and so i think we're most of our lives we spend like keeping it inside and so now even small things i've talked to myself about them before i let them out of my mouth for sure (laughs) It's kind of, it's, I don't know, it's somewhat therapeutic to, to release it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Therapy is good, people. Let us remind you that once more. All right. As always, follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, at 2BP underscore podcast. That's the number 2BP underscore podcast. And on Instagram, at 2BeersPlease underscore podcast, spelled like it sounds. The Instagram page has a lot of great updates about the sports around the world and the twitter page is my favorite is my favorite sports social media page because it's just it's just matt at the reins and he has no railing against everything yeah i love it it's so great uh it's so great um i'm always a fan i don't like twitter a lot so i it's like the one good part of twitter (laughs) so much of twitter sucks i've thought about that before though of like i'm like man i really have like no filter i don't even really have a filter on my twitter i just like say whatever i want and i'm like i'm, I'm glad i got into my career because like one time i had like just a pretty vulgar tweet about like the politics in our country and i think the first person to like retweet it was one of my old bosses like a producer i've worked with and i was like yeah i'm in i'm in the right industry because otherwise i may i may have gotten in trouble and this dude's like hell yeah i'm right there with you matt Right. Well, you know, the other thing, Matt, you're allowed to not have a filter because you're not a dumbass. So there you go. That helps. It helps. You know, (laughs) it definitely, it definitely helps. Cause then it's like, oh, wow, Matt's just saying what he thinks rather than, oh my God, you ignorant buffoon. Can you close your mouth? Insane. This dude's literally crazy. Did you see Um, that that assistant coach from uh, like University of Tennessee, Chattanooga or something like that? No, he had, what he had, he had quite a uh, aggressive, dumbass tweet about Stacey Abrams, and I think he immediately like deactivated all of his accounts, and now like the school's already announced that he's been fired. And I'm just like, fuck yeah, yeah, you know, reap what you sow, bitch. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. How dare you also against Stacey Abrams of all people? Like, how dare For you? Real. Like, I get being mad at politicians that don't agree with your views, but against, like, a civil servant that is just doing her damn job better than anybody else, like, get out of here. I'm so sick of that. God forbid somebody help, you know, get people out to vote and educate people and all that stuff. What a what a horrible villain. Right. Well, this segues, segues us perfectly. 
Uh, we usually have segments at the beginning that are fun. And, you know, we, we will get back to that. And I'm going to end this segment with a little bit of levity. But we have to bring up the events of yesterday uh, if we're going to be responsible on this podcast. And yesterday, I mean, Matt, we will remember it as an act of domestic terror for the rest of our lives. Um, and we need to hold our public officials accountable of what they say and how they act. Because when we don't, when we let people just you know, say what they want and think how they feel, then this is what happens. Uh, and, you know, it, it, it's, we talked about a little bit, we're all, we, I mean, we're so in favor of the First Amendment rights to protest and, and the right to say whatever you want to say. That's, you know, that's something that, you know, holds dear for both sides. I, I just, the, you know, at the end of the day, Biden won in a fair election and the hypocrisy of the people that were storming the Capitol yesterday, it stinks. It just, it stinks. And it's kind of unfathomable to think that these are the same people that were calling Black Lives Matter protesters hoodlums and and terrorists themselves, and they stormed their own Capitol. Thugs, right. And it it's, it's just a really sad day on a day that, you know, where two runoff elections were happening where both parties were hoping to gain control of the Senate, where we're, where it was kind of cool that the eyes of the nation were on one state, you know, paying attention to politics. It could have just been that. Instead, we don't remember those races. We won't remember those races except for the repercussions of them because of these events. And uh, I mean, it definitely hurts. In my, it, I definitely felt hurt by it. I felt hurt by like. It, it made me lose little faith in in what this country can actually do. Uh, but me and Matt were actually texting about it, and and it does go to show how young our country is. I I a hundred percent agree with that, uh, Matt. If you want to speak a little more on that, but you said something really nice about it. Yeah, I mean, I think like it, it is just kind of a show of of how young of a country we are. I remember I was reading even just like a it was a Parisian. Uh, history book and like this Chinese official was visiting France during like one of the revolutions and all the French people were freaking out and the Chinese guy was just like hey, you Westerners you're you're so young like empires fall and and rise day in and day out like this is the occurrence and, and unfortunately or you know fortunately in our country we really haven't had something like this quite happen um I mean I, I agree with you 100 I'm never gonna condemn protesting it would be very hypocritical of, of me to do that um if, if they had you know peacefully protested and and gone to and i even just hate that you know because how, how peaceful is a protest protests are always kind of inherently not peaceful but if they had just protested and and gone to the u.s capitol and, and made their voices heard i i would have i probably wouldn't have agreed with them but i i couldn't condemn it because it, it wouldn't be fair of me but i think we're we're all pretty clear that they that went far beyond just a, a protest and, and turned into a, you know, mini coup of sorts. And when you, you know, attack a governmental building like that, it's, it's terrorism, plain and simple. Um, and, and, you know, I, I from my perspective, too, um, I think one thing is like it's I don't know what the word would be, but like they're attacking this Capitol building that inside that building there are politicians that like Trump certainly, I think, deserves the the most of the blame. But like. Guys like Lindsey Graham and Ted Cruz helped throw fuel on this fire as well. And then, of course, you know, Graham and all the a few of those Republicans have backtracked. And, and it's like what, what's done is done, guys. Like, I, I, I appreciate you now backtracking. I appreciate you saying, you know, the right thing now. But you, you can't really, you know, 
come back on what, on what you, you said already. Um, I also get like a little upset when people are like, what are we a third world country? Because like, first off, this sort of thing happens in a wide array of countries. There's a lot of different reasons that, that these sort of insurrections occur. And secondly, I also think it's just like a, a pretty stupid time to have American exceptionalism be in your head. Like who are, who are we to act superior to anyone? We are a country as flawed as, as anybody. Um, but also I, I will say, I, I don't think we should overreact in the sense of, I, I had a lot of friends who were being like, Oh yeah, just watching the start of a civil war. And, and I, I reject that, that rhetoric. Um, I, I'm not saying we shouldn't be vigilant. I'm not saying that this isn't a problem. Um, but most of the Republicans that I know were just as appalled by this as I was. Um, I mean, you even had like, I know I'm just not saying we shouldn't give credit to Lindsey Graham, but even, you know, Mike Pence denounced these actions. This is not half the country against one another. I, I don't think we should feed into that rhetoric and, and, and give these people more power than they deserve, because that's exactly what, what Trump wants. He, he wants more of the division. He wants us to all think we are as split as possible. And, and I just don't I don't completely agree with that. Maybe I'm being naive, but I think this is a smaller faction of fanatics who, who need to be reprimanded. But I, I, I won't accept that the false narrative that we are as divided as they and Donald Trump want us to to believe because um, I'm not going to give them that power. Right. I think I mean, at the end of the day, this the senators and representatives still got in the building and did what they needed to do. So they you know, they did not accomplish their goal. And that is important to remember. They wanted to they wanted to overturn a fair election and they didn't. So that anything, is anything they hindered it like. Yeah, it was like, because, there was like what there was going to be like 14 or 15, I think, senators who were going to kind of support the stuff. And I think it came down to only like seven. Like they shot themselves in the damn foot. Right. I agree. And and I definitely I agree with you where, you know, feeding into division is never what we should do. What I, I will say, though, I think that the people who charged the Capitol, they, there's evidence and they should be charged. I really do think that I think that Absolutely. that definitely definitely that needs to be the move. And, uh, you know, on a personal, more personal opinion, I don't really think that the representatives, especially there were still so many representatives um, that that went with the election overturn. I, I don't really think that they should be able to serve office. That's not my call. Obviously, they represent their people who voted for them. And I, unlike them, you know, respect a fair election by their own people, regardless of what I think of their thoughts. But I really, really question whether any of those people are fit to serve this country um, because of keeping with that, especially after the events of the day, especially when a lot of them are doing it for their own political gain. And surprise, surprise, politicians are only looking out for themselves, right? So like, <laughs> well, fair I, think, I mean, my hope too is like, because I think a lot of those guys, you know, flip-flopped because I think they, I think they know that it isn't a majority of people that support. And I think the people that did support the, the objection to it, I'm, I think we're all going to be watching those next elections very closely and, and seeing how much, like you said, there's probably going to be certain parts of, of the, the country that are always going to, you know, lean to one side. But, but I, I imagine it's going to, I think they will have to, you know, pay the piper at some point and, and not be serving. Um, and, and you know what? And they will not be serving because of a fair election. Uh, and, and I think that's, that's what's going to happen. And I think you mentioned it too, Jan, like, I think, I don't think we, we, we should let the just the negative take away from the historic election results in Georgia. You know, John, John Ossoff becoming the first Jewish person to hold a Senate seat in Georgia, 
Raphael Warnock becoming the first black person to ever hold a Senate seat in, in the state, which is astounding. I mean, the fact that Georgia has never had uh, a black individual be a senator is somewhat criminal, um, but uh, but huge, huge accomplishments. And, and I think we we get to control what we take away from from any day. And I think there is still, you know, a victory in this battle and, and a sign and a sign that we are fighting the good fight and that there are people that are ready to make America what we all would like it to be. Right, exactly. Because the the part of the American exceptionalism that I didn't appreciate was you're right, the the fact that everyone's focusing on, oh, are people gonna th- what are people going to think of us? It's like, I think we should fix our own problems before we worry about what other people think of us. We're, they're already thinking awful things in the last four years. So don't worry right. about that. But I will, I will stick with it in the sense that like, you know what? We haven't gone through a lot of this. And there's a reason for that past we're young is because we're supposed to be a country that doesn't go through a lot of that. We're supposed to be built on these ideals of we saw the way that things were run in the past and we want to create a better nation for that. And I agree, the, the the Senate races were historic. And you know, and at the end of the day, they can be as violent and as scary as they want. At the end of the day, these these people, you know, went to went to the Capitol building and and protested and were terrible. And the reason was because they felt threatened. For the rest of most of their lives, they were able to exist in their racist ways outside in the open and no one said anything. And this time they had to go to the Capitol and make a statement about it because they know that their way of life is coming to a close. So that's, you know, they're scared. And when people are scared, they act violent and, you know, let's just keep voting in the right people and keep moving forward. Uh, what I, I think too, I got one more. I just have one more little piece. And, and I think we've kind of come to a different part in our country. I remember growing up, there was always this you, you don't ask what, uh, what who somebody's voting for. You don't ask that sort of questions. You don't. It was all kind of very hidden, and it was very oh, that's a personal thing. And I, I think that allowed a lot of miscommunication, misinformation, just a, a misunderstanding of people in our country. And now it's kind of it's all bottled up where it's it's too much, and we need to get back to actually just having conversations and under, and understanding like why people think this way, why people, because a lot of times you don't even have a, a, the choice of, of what your perspective is. Um, and I think the more that we can create, you know, a conversation, the better. Yeah, I agree. I mean, conversation's always been the way forward. And <clears throat> I think we saw, regardless of why they were doing it, whether they were jumping the ship or not, I think we did see a lot of people on, quote unquote, the other side of the aisle, kind of seeing, you know, that maybe they need to start coming a little bit to the table as well. Uh, in conversations about this, so I agree. And as and as long as as uh, you know, as long as there's good people, conversations always going to be part of the answer. It's not like it's not like the people that were trying to fight for peace were also just like sitting there attacking. They were always trying to come to the table. That's that's kind of the part point of peace a little bit. And so, you know, I I just I I just hope for a better way forward. And I you know I. I just hope I'm just ready for this month to be over, honestly, and to just get back into it. Honestly, it's been ridiculous. The beginning of this year, I can't even believe it. I saw something that was like, oh, December 37th, 2020. Tricky calendar. Good, good job. Like we haven't even started the new year yet. It's uh, it's still just 2020 vibes for sure. Right. Uh, but the light note that I want to end this conversation on before we get into, you know, the reason we're here for the podcast is 
Did you see the Twitter? I hate Twitter is so stupid. Did you see the Twitter thing where somebody posted a picture of that guy holding the podium and said like this image via Getty is like is is about this man that did it and it got picked up by users like his name was via Getty and now like people are tweeting as if this guy's name is via Getty and saying we have to find <laughs> via Getty and like where the hell is via Getty. And I'm just like, you guys are uh, a really cool name. (laughs) (laughs) I might name my son Via. Via? Via? Via Smith? (laughs) I always wondered how Getty Images got, you know, so powerful. Right. They own own freaking everything. Via Getty. That's hysterical. It's, It's just... It's just the hilarity of Twitter. Uh, okay, well, now that we said that, this seems like a little bit of a redundant question, but how are we feeling today, Matthew? <laughs> Truly, as I was filling out my notes on the outline, I was just like, this is, uh, that's, that's kind of a funny little, uh, I, I'm doing fine. Um, been been a tumultuous few days for me. Um, I'll get a little bit into that a little bit later in the episode, but uh, mostly I'm, I'm just excited to be here with you, Jan, talking some sports unplugging a little bit from the chaos of it all and, and just enjoying ourselves. So uh, I'm doing well, all things considered. How are you, boss? I agree, man. I was so it's, it's times like these that remind me why I love this podcast, because it truly is Amen. what I, it's what I want to be doing. It's like the life. If I had my pick of what I want to do, it's talking sports with my good friend. That's what I'm here for. I, I wish we didn't have to deal with the rest of this shit. We do, but but at least we get this. At least we get this time. Nature of the uh, beast, right? Nature of the beast that is life. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited to be here too. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm good. Thankfully, I'm uh, I'm not. You know, I again I recognize my privilege in this situation. Uh, so I'm 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 in good spirits. I'm heading back to New York next week. Uh, had a good time in Iowa. Uh, got my second negative COVID test. So I'm feeling like, Ooh, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> I feel like a negative COVID test dance. I I've seen that on the internet. That's a good one. Right. I'm really glad this isn't a video thing. So no one could see what I just did. Uh, anyway, uh, what are we drinking today? The local pot. I saw, open. I saw it. Um, <laughs> uh, I was, I, I needed something a little stiffer today. So I, I whipped up an old fashioned with my my favorite bourbon, Woodford Reserve. So I got you know a beer just wasn't going to cut it during during this week. That's hey, that's fair. I went the opposite direction, and you can make fun of me, but I feel like you're balancing us out. I told myself as soon as I saw that the Capitol building was under siege, I can't drink the next two days because I'm just never going to stop drinking. So I have to. I- I was like, I know the podcast is endless like, pit. I can't start that. And then Byron plays Friday, and I'm going to drink then too. It's like, uh, everything's happening. So I, I, I'm taking it easy today, drinking some water. Uh, also, so that my voice can come over nice and crisp for you all. So a uh, little, little professional courtesy to you guys there, because when I drink, sometimes it's like, <laughs> I have to go and uh, yeah, the football playoffs. I can't wait. Anyway, uh, let's let's. That's kind of a cool voice. That was kind of a cool voice. Oh, thank you. Uh, it's my. It's on my voiceover reel. <laughs> it's it's the drunk smoker. It's like which does he do more of? I've always no wondered. Like, does a voiceover reel just sound like somebody with like schizophrenia? Like, is it just you know a a constant changing of different voices and somebody talking to themselves? 
Yeah, I mean, it depends on what kind of voiceover reel. Like a commercial voiceover reel, that sounds more normal because it just sounds like a, a bunch right. of commercials. But when you're, you're doing like going for like a character, like it's got to yeah. sound, it has to sound insane. Yeah, I uh, I've got a lot of weird voices in there, especially because so. most reels don't have any context. Like a video reel, like it just jumps from like scene to scene for the most part. Like you don't even really know what the hell is going on in the scenes most time because you're just like, yeah, this is what I can do here. So. Right. I'm, I'm gonna start just looking up voice reels right exactly in my spare time, in my spare time. uh yeah you just press play and hold on for dear life i suppose <laughs> you're just like i don't know what this is gonna be you can't tell if this guy's insanely talented or fucking nuts maybe both where did we, maybe both yeah where did we, this was really good where did we receive it from oh sing sing interesting okay <laughs> interesting that makes that makes more sense that makes more sense we still are calling him up he was still fantastic yeah, we still need him like i can't it's just the voice he doesn't need to be here he, just, he can record in jail oh gosh all right sports matthew we're moving on to sports <laughs> yeah we're gonna get ourselves in trouble Ooh. anyway sports uh let's start out with shout outs you know in a in a in an episode where we're Shouting down so many people. Let's shout out somebody. Uh, I'll start us off. Uh, my shout out for today's episode is is simple. It's the Texas Longhorns from college basketball world. I think they're doing really well. They are eight and one. Their only loss is to Villanova by four points. So a really good game there for them too. They have only three games where they've conceded over seventy points and nothing above seventy six. So their defense is playing really well. And it's a team effort. They got three players averaging 12 points or more per game. They got Ramey, Colby in the third, Andrew Jones leading their team. And uh, yeah, Shaka Smart's doing really well in Texas. They've got wins over OK State, Iowa State, and most impressively and most recently, um, a 25-point win at the Allen Fieldhouse against Kansas in their own division. I that was crazy. The biggest loss, tie, I think tied for the biggest loss at Allen Fieldhouse ever for KU. Right. I think it was either tied or the most. You're definitely right there. And it's put them up to fourth in the most recent rankings. They are fully a contender with Baylor for the Big 12 title. Whether they can beat out Baylor, we shall see. Uh, their game was postponed, so we don't really know how they match up just yet. Uh, but yeah, I think Shaq is smart. Texas Longhorns are doing well, and they're my shout-out for the week. Love that. Yeah, I mean, we're going to talk a little more college basketball later, and I, I've got I've got a lot of love to give to Texas. And uh, it's we know how successful Shaka was at uh at dcu and they've had some some good teams at texas and, and certainly he's had a lot of great recruits um and, and guys go on to the pros but he hasn't it ha he hasn't quite gotten like hit like one of his like classic vcu teams and and this team certainly feels like it and, and you, you hit the nail on the coffin it's the defensive side of the ball it's just effort and and kind of chaos that they create defensively uh i'm i'm liking what they're doing down in austin i'm going basketball as well and, and i'm going to shout out a smaller school, the Drake men's basketball team. It's it's about damn time I give some love to the Des Moines team. They are 13-0, one of 10 undefeated teams left, currently ranked 13th in the net rankings, still not getting any AP love because they haven't really had any big major conference wins. But if they keep rolling off Ws, I think eventually they'll, they'll probably get a, a ranking. They've got a great offense, 83.9 points per game. They hold teams to 59.9 points per game. Wow. Like a 24 point per game margin of victory is, is just ridiculous. They got six guys who average seven and a half points per game or more. So just a very balanced team. 
And this weekend they play Loyola of Chicago, the only other team in the Missouri Valley Conference that is undefeated in conference play. So if they're able to sweep the Ramblers, I think they'll really, you know, take a stranglehold on the conference. So shout out to Drake and, and Darian DeRees. They're, they're killing it. See, this is why you listen to this podcast, people, because no other – I, you know, other podcasts are talking about – Texas, don't get me wrong, but you, we're the only ones giving Drake love. Let me tell you, we're the only Let's ones. Bulldogs. Let's go that's Bulldogs. Where my mom, that's where my mom went to law school, and uh, I always went to Drake basketball camp growing up. So Drake has has a special place in my heart, and I love I love when they do well. Yeah, and I I played when I played soccer in in high school. That's where you would play. You go to Drake and play in the state state cup, and that's where it was. Yeah. So I got I got some love for Drake there as well. A lot of my uh, former teammates played for Drake uh, for soccer as well. Dude, their so. soccer team is damn good. Ridiculous. Their soccer team really is good. ridiculous. Uh, we'll talk about them at some point in the year. Anyway, uh, I mean, I don't even know if college soccer is – I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anything that's happening or not. We should, get re- we should get really into covering college soccer though. I like that idea, Jan. Thank you, especially with MLS getting stronger. Might as well go over the college soccer uh, as well. It's true. All right. Let's go over the quick news. From the sports world, this is wind sprints getting down that track. Don't pull a hammy. Here we go. Uh, speaking of wow, this is, ear, really, ear. this is really unfortunate Gee. segue. Uh, speaking of pulling a hammy, Markel Fultz tore his ACL uh, last night, and uh, he's out for the rest of the season for the Orlando Magic. It was really disappointing, not only because it's an injury and that's always sad, but because Markel Fultz was really, really looking strong and uh, obviously since the beginning of his NBA career was littered with injuries. So my question is, you know, the magic, what do we make of the magic? Were they on a track to do something in the East with him? Can they still be that something if you think so without him? And as for Markel Fultz, is his career going to be kind of one like Derek Rose that kind of is an injury tragedy a little bit? Yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot to to dissect there. I think, and first off, just just heartbreaking. I remember watching Markel Fultz at Washington, and I was like, "This dude's incredible." And the fact that he just like never really got it going in Philly and stuff, I was I was always surprised because he he seemed like he had all all the tools, and so it was so great to see him really being successful in Orlando. Just signed a nice new contract, was just kind of finding his groove. You know, sometimes you just need a change of scenery. And, and that helps a lot. Um, I don't see the magic. I, I don't even think with Markel Fultz, the magic were going to be like a big time contender. Um, and so I think losing him certainly does, does hurt them. Maybe the one silver lining is uh, Cole Anthony, who, who I talked about, you know, an episode before and a shout out. Um, I, I think he's probably going to get some more playing time and, and he's already shown that he, he is an NBA guard. So he kind of gets thrown to the fire baptism by fire. And, uh, I think he'll be able to kind of show what he does. But um, it, I, I think regardless of the injury team-wise, I don't think it affects the trajectory of this team too much because I think they were they were always going to be not quite up there with, with the elites of, um, of, the, uh, of the Eastern Conference. But, uh, it, I mean, it just breaks your heart to see that with Marco Fultz because, like you said, I think at this point you just wonder – Man, can can he stay healthy? And even even if he does stay healthy, it, you just it it's tough to deal with that many injuries and and ever really be at your best. Um, when you, I mean, not just because you know physically you're you're losing a step here and there, but you like you got to be on the basketball court to to get better and 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 make an impact and, and such. So it's uh, it's really tough to see for for Fultz. 
Right. I agree. And our thoughts go out to him. And we hope that one day on this podcast, we're talking about his return in successful fashion. That's what we always hope uh, with sports. And it's been done before, so it can be done again. We hope it does. Texans, they have signed a new GM, former head of personnel at the Patriots, Nick Casario. They signed him to a six-year contract that will make him one of the highest paid GMs in the game. This despite Casario's in my opinion, but also in the opinion of many people, failings in New England draft-wise. I mean, you think about New England's drafts. They haven't done anything for them. That's why they are where they are. And with the Texans needing a lot of help, they don't have a draft pick in the next draft for the first two rounds because they sent both to the Dolphins for Laramie Tunzel. Now, rumors are Deshaun Watson hated this, and he's going to request a trade. Will he stay in Houston even for another season? Because currently it looks like the Saints, the 49ers, and the Bears – there's already rumors going around that they want him. Yeah, Deshaun Watson's not going anywhere. Um, as I've said, Deshaun Watson will be, uh, I think, with that contract and just what the value he brings to Houston, they're not like – the Rockets aren't going to trade James Harden that easily and the Texans aren't going to be trading Deshaun Watson that easily, um, especially with we know what, what a special quarterback he is. Um, it, is a, it is a questioning or, can, you know – conundrum of a of, of a hire it, it's it seems odd I mean I I get you know you, you get a player that or a, a guy from the Patriots front office which historically has been has been pretty good I don't know if the, you know the recent years are, are fair to just judge him on um, but we also know Bill Belichick has like a very big you know a lot of control in in the Patriots so it it I think a lot of the good that you see from the Patriots maybe would be more towards Belichick than Casario uh, I, I think for this team, though, it just I, I think you like have to hit hit the home run with the coaching hire. Like I, I think if it's not somebody that because he, I, I don't think they get rid of Deshaun Watson, but if you get a guy like Eric Bieniemy, um, who I just think is the most obvious hire for them to make, I think it makes Deshaun a little happier again. Um, but he's he's not going anywhere right now. They, they they're they're not gonna big time quarterbacks just don't get traded like that in in the NFL. It just doesn't happen. Okay, there you go. Deshaun staying in Houston. I I agree with you. If James Harden didn't do enough to get traded by the Rockets, then there's nothing Deshaun Watson can do to get traded by from the Texans. That's in my opinion. He he will eventually leave if they don't fix their stuff. But you also know that if he was willing to play that hard for that team last season, if they make the right changes, he'll be willing to play that hard again. So, you know, he's a good kid. He's got a good head on his shoulders. So that's just like what it is. Uh, Devonta Smith wins the Heisman Award. That's right. The Alabama receiver is the first receiver to win since 1991 when Desmond Howard did it. He is Bama's all-time leading receiver. And uh, the question remains, you know, he obviously got the college bowl game, uh, the college playoff, not bowl game, the final. Uh, and and it's a, bowl, it's a bowl game, technically. <laughs> it's a bowl game, technically. Right, you're right. There you go. Uh, but, but the question really that I have for you is what do you think the NFL future is for, and I love this nickname, the Slim Reaper? Do you know they they tried to uh, give Kevin Durant the Slim Reaper nickname, and he hated it. He I'm like sure. it was, it was like back when he was like just starting out, and he was like even more of a stick, and he was like, no, don't call me that. So I'm glad that Devontae Smith is much more accepting of it because I think it's sick. It's and if sick. You're good, if you're good, like who gives a shit if you're slim? Who who cares? Like come on, dude. Like you're balling. Uh, I, I don't know. I think um, I think Jamar Chase will be selected before him. I, I think there's maybe a chance Jalen Waddell does. I probably think Devontae will go second wide receiver-wise. 
Um, he, he's not, you know, a traditional build of, of a of a terrific, like terrific, a traditional build of like a dominant wide receiver. We were even saying that, you know, the last game, he's not, or the last episode, he's not Julio Jones or DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams build. But I think just where the passing game is right now in the NFL and how dynamic the offenses are and, and everything, like I, I think easily he can be an all pro receiver. I, I just, I think, I think he needs to go to the right offense that says, all right, you're a chameleon. We can throw you around everywhere. Like, I think if they just try to use him as a traditional wide receiver one, I don't think he's going to be as successful as he might be. But if you, you know, put him out wide, put him in the slot, put him in, you know, motion a lot, like, like Alabama does, I think he can be an absolutely an all pro receiver. Right, because I agree, he's not going to ever be, well, you know, who knows, he's such a young kid, we we don't know that yet, but he's never going to be kind of, the, he doesn't seem like he's going to be that build of a Julio or a Devante, but he does seem like, man, if you put that guy in the slot with his hands, that's scary, that is scary. Destroy people. Yeah, he's going to. He's going to score touchdowns every drive and get every third down conversion you need. Anyway, I agree. I think he's got a future. It just depends on – and with all of these kids, I, it's it's important to remember. It depends where they end because they're great, but they're not in the NFL yet. So it's impossible to tell how they do in the pros. And Franchise you go to makes a big freaking difference. Yeah. Look at Johnny Manziel, where he's at now. Anyway, uh, yeah, okay, great. And some news that just came out, but I thought might as well talk about it. Literally just got it a couple minutes ago. Francisco Lindor is headed to the Mets. Matt, I'm so happy we get to watch Francisco Lindor play next season, hopefully. Crossing my fingers that that is something we can do. Uh, But yeah, the Steve Cohen era off to a flying start with this trade. What do you think? Do you think New York Mets make a playoff push with this addition? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's you know kind of like we were saying about the Padres. It's just nice with the uh, you know when a team's like, yeah, we want to we want to win, we want to be aggressive, we want to go and 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 you know build a team. They've got a lot of good pitching on that team still. Um, so I, I think you you know you get some more bats. You get Carlos Correa, Carrasco as well from from Cleveland, and uh, like we've seen Lindor be you know one of the best players in the MLB at such a young age. He's that impactful for you. Uh, in the field and up to bat. So I, I think it's a great, a great, great signing. And I think too, like even in baseball, you kind of, you kind of need like a, a superstar. You need a, like a little, a, a guy to just give you a little bit of swag. And and I think Lindor absolutely does that. Love that. Yeah, I agree. Mets, they got, they got a good team. If Pete Alonso can get back to like a year ago form and now Francisco Lindor, they got some good bats uh, and obviously still have good pitchers. So exciting to see what happens. And like I said, hope to see Lindor in that stadium very soon ourselves. All right, now that we're done with the news from the sports world, we're going to move on to college sports. That's right. We've got college basketball to talk about. But first, it is the college football final. We have talked about it already this week. So we're just going to give our picks and who we think is going to be the MVP of the game. It's Alabama and it's not Clemson. It's Ohio State. Uh, surprisingly, uh, Ohio State after that crazy win against Clemson, that blowout win, really. Justin Fields putting in a performance of a lifetime. So the question remains, you know, Alabama is an eight-point favorite currently. What does that mean, you know, for the game? Do we take that uh, that line? Do we kind of go against it? For me personally, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a really high-scoring game. I think right now the line is like 75 and a half points on this one uh, is the over. 
Uh, so I think that I'm going to take the over on that because I just think that these two teams are going to wreck each other a little bit because neither of their defenses are as good as usual and both of their offenses are crazy. So I'm, I'm taking Alabama by seven. I'll, I'll go right under that eight, uh, eight point spread. I, I just think that, you know, it's going to be a crazy game. It's going to be a good duel. If Justin Fields plays like he did against Clemson at the end of the day, I think that Alabama simply has too many weapons, uh, one, maybe more than Ohio state. So I think that Ohio state will prove much more of an adversary than Notre Dame for sure. But I think Alabama still got this one in the bag. They end the season undefeated. Uh, MVP wise, you know, Devonna Smith's going to be huge. We know that. But I think with the kind of game that this is going to be, I think that Mac Jones is going to need to be the MVP. I think, you know, he's been playing really great. And I think if he's going to outduel Justin Fields, like I expect him to, that he's going to win uh, that MVP kind of accolade. Not that Devonta Smith won't do really well, uh, but that's just where my head stands. What about you? Yeah, MVP is a, is a tough tough one to call because um, I, I, th- I kind of feel like no matter what, Devontae Smith's going to get his. Like, I'll be shocked if, if the Heisman winner doesn't find the end zone at least twice. Uh, and for Ohio State, like, Justin Fields is that dude. Uh, like, where, where he goes, the Buckeyes kind of go. And when he's on, they're, they're almost unstoppable on offense. So I think depending on who wins, those seem like the most likely one to, like, win MVP. But I actually think both running backs in this game are, are probably the more – would be the MIP, the most important players of the game. You know, Najee Harris has been a monster all year, especially when it comes to finding the end zone. Uh, and a la Zeke Elliott, like we kind of said last time in 2014, Trey Sermon's finding his footing at the right time. He's got 524 rushing yards in the last two games for the Buckeyes. Like, that that's absurd. Uh, and and uh, I just think both teams, since both teams' offense are so explosive, I think both teams are also going to want to try and establish a running game to keep that other offense off the field as much as possible. So I think whichever running back can really like have a consistent running game going on, I think that's going to be the most important uh, player to it. But I, I, I kind of think like if, if Ohio State wins, it's going to go to Justin Fields. And if it, uh, a Bama wins, I, I do think it will be Devontae Smith. I, I, you know, I know Bama's great. I kind of think the line is – I was a little shocked by it um, because I felt like we like just did this to Ohio State. Like the Buckeyes were, I think, seven and a half point underdog against Clemson. And if, if they'd won a close one against Clemson, I would understand that more. But like you said, like they, they dominated. It was a four, 21 point win over Clemson when they were, you know, an underdog by seven points. That's a 28 point spring. So I think for me, I would definitely take the spread on that. Like you said, like if Alabama wins plus seven, if you bet on Ohio State at, at minus or plus eight, you're going to win your bet. Um, but I, I'm going to go with the the, the Buckeyes. I just kind of think they're trending in the right way. Um, I, I really just like what Justin Fields and Trey Sermon are doing. I have a little more faith in the Ohio State defense than I do the Alabama defense. Uh, so for me, I, I'm going to make a bet on this game, and I'm just going to go with the money line for Ohio State, which is plus 225. So you can, you know, more than double your money with it right there. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with the Buckeyes. Okay, there you go. I like that pick. I mean, <clears throat> you're right. It's definitely closer than the eight point line uh, says. And, <clears throat> you know, it, yeah, it's hard to say because eight points is unfair. But also, I always feel like, oh, that's just a touchdown. That's still such a close game. You know, I, I definitely think that it's gonna, it won't be more than eight for sure. I think that it's going to be like a touchdown or a field goal situation. And yeah, I mean, if Trey Sermon can establish, if not Trey Sermon, but if, if Trey Sermon can be used a lot in the run game 
and they can establish that run game, it's going to be really hard for Alabama to keep up, you know, because Najee Harris is great, but I, I think Trey Sermon is better down the field where Najee Harris is really good in those goal line situations for sure. So I think Trey Sermon even more could be the more, most important player in this game, whether how he plays, you know, you said Justin Fields, and I 100% agree he has to play another great game uh, in order for them to compete. But I think Trey Sermon might be, you know, what Ohio State lives and dies by in this game. So I like that. I like that call. And there you go. Those are our picks for the college football playoff. We're excited to talk about it. Uh, kind of crazy that college football is still happening. Like, just I, it's just been a weird season. It feels so short, but so it's long. Such a weird season. Yeah, oh, that's God. a really good way to describe it. Like, it's been like a shorter season, but it feels like it's been the longest season ever. Uh, it's been it's been a, a heck of a year. Um, but I think you know, too. We talked a lot about like, will the national champion feel deserving? Will the Heisman winner feel deserving? And I, and I think that certainly like. Demonte Smith feels like a, a more than deserving Heisman winner. And I think both these teams, especially after Ohio State's big win against Clemson, I, I think there's there's no way you can really argue that they aren't the, the two most deserving teams to be here right now. And and I think you could put up either of these teams with a lot of the last 10 national championships uh, or national champions. Like I think I think both these teams are are absolutely legit. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> I, I had definitely had some doubts when the season started, but I agree. It always plays out, doesn't it? It's kind of weird that way. It always plays out that way. Um, it really does. That's <laughs> kind of funny. Uh, also, probably, I mean, the first time that an 11th seed will win the championship if <laughs> if, if Ohio State does it. <laughs> I mean, dude, you know, you know what my biggest gripe with that thing is? is yeah. Dabo kept going off. That was like, well, if you didn't play nine games, then I didn't put you in the top ten. Nine games this, nine games that. And I was like, Hmm. Why? Why nine games? And then you see he also bangs the drum of Trevor Lawrence should be the Heisman winner. How many games did Trevor Lawrence play in? Nine. So like his his cutoff is not arbitrary at all. Like he didn't just like pick a, a number. He was like, oh, my quarterback plays nine games, so that's the threshold uh, to to prove that you're like legitimate. So then I can say he's the deserving Heisman winner. It like this such a self serving dude. Come on, Dabo. Right, I agree. <clears throat> and he got what he kind of was asking for. So that's that's what happens sometimes. Damn right he did. You got to you got to answer your own calls and he dropped that one severely. All right, let's move on to college basketball. Obviously so many games have happened since we last talked. Uh we're not going to talk all of them cuz we don't want to waste your time. We're just going to be talking about the important ones. That's right. The Marquette games, they played about 3 games so far and no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. There's <laughs> the Marquette check-in time. That's forget that's college basketball. We're just we're just concerned about the Golden Eagles. I I will say it again. That's all I care about. No, but let's look at the top ten really quick. We'll go through whether you know we think it's deserved or not. If there's anybody to be moved around, um, we got Gonzaga at the top still, obviously so dominant. We got Baylor right after that from the Big Twelve. Then you got Villanova, Texas. We talked about already. Shaq Smart doing a lot of great things. Our Iowa Hawkeyes back up to five after kind of writing the ship a little bit. Kansas after that big loss down to six. Then you got Creighton, who, you know, has been up and down, but they're still in the seventh spot. Uh, Wisconsin then at the eight, Tennessee at the nine, and Michigan, undefeated Michigan at the 10. Current undefeated teams in the top 10 are Gonzaga, Baylor, and Michigan. You know, for me, I I, I don't mind any of these, you know, still early in the season, so there's a lot to be changed and de- will depend on how people play each other. But the one thing that I'm interested by is the Tennessee ranking. You know, I think 
Tennessee is really interesting because they have played one top 15 team only. And that was Mizzou, who's not like a formidable top 15 team, uh, the SEC in general. So I question whether they are deserving of the nine over, you know, any of the other, for example, big 10 teams that are that are down there or, you know, I, I, I question that. So that's the one team I'm a little worried about, but not worried about. I don't care. But like the little questioning. Uh, what about you? How do you how do you how do you look at the big 10? You think it's fair? Yeah, I mean, the top two, it's as clear as clear as it can be. Gonzaga and Baylor are, are clearly the two best teams right now. Uh, I think Baylor's, you know, offense has been more impressive than I expected it to be, and, and they've got a great defense. And, and we know we know everything there is to know about Gonzaga. I, um, you know, I, I know Villanova has that win against Texas. I'm still not convinced that Villanova is is quite as elite. I think that win against Texas was was earlier in the season when Texas wasn't playing their best ball. Like if those two teams played now. I think Texas would win, and and that game itself was, I think, like a two point game. Like it wasn't like Villanova really dominated it, um, but but I, I think Texas is a completely different team already, like a, a month from from that game. So Villanova, I, I, I'm not sure they're 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 up there quite. Kansas is is a weird one to me. They they can't score the ball. You know, they they remind me a lot of Wisconsin, where they they play some really good def- defense, but there's times where their team has no clue what to do offensively. They really, they really have uh, no offensive kind of persona. Um, and, and I think that's, uh, you know, you'd rather have probably defense than offense, but when you can't get a bucket at all, that's, that's worrisome. And, and I agree with you on Tennessee. I think um, I'm fine with where they're at. Like I think Michigan and Tennessee probably deserve being at nine and 10, but I don't think they deserve to be any higher because neither team has really been tested quite a lot. I think the SEC is a little deeper then then maybe it's getting credit for but i don't think it has that many like elite teams i don't think it has like a, a lot of firepower even at the top so i think tennessee for me tennessee is going to have to like kind of control the conference throughout the year um to, to really prove it and they, they get a game against ku on january 30th where they'll certainly be able to, to prove it but it's another team that they, they play terrific defense um and as for michigan like i it's kind of crazy that there's an undefeated big 10 team that's only 10th but who have they beaten? Like Minnesota is probably their best win, the, the win they just had. And I, I've never been high on Minnesota. I always thought Minnesota was a pretty average team, not bad, but not like I don't think it's a, a phenomenal win by by any means. So I think I think everything's pretty fair where it's at, um, and I'm sure it'll get you know. I think there's going to be a lot of movement in this top ten, except maybe the top two. I I don't know how many. Like even if Baylor loses, like I how far are they going to drop? Because they're probably going to lose to like Texas or, or KU or something like that. They're not going to lose to a bad team. And um, I think, I, I don't think there's any chance Gonzaga gives up that number one ranking. Yeah. I mean, let's just move into it. Then favorite for the tournament has to be Gonzaga, right? I mean, they're, I, it can't be anyone else. They're 10 and 0. They've got two 18 plus points per game scores and K- Corey Kispert and Tim, and then Suggs and Ajayi and <clears throat> Nemhard. And that bulldog culture that you know is so strong already, woof. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's it's they're terrifying. They're terrifying. I so they're definitely. I think. I mean, I, unless you want to shock me right now, they're they're probably both of our favorites for the tournament, right? That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to finish the regular season undefeated, and if they're able to cut down the crowns, they're, they're going to be the first undefeated national champion since 1976. And I think there's a really good chance that they do that. There you go. Okay. Well, what about who do you think 
the best contender for the favorite is. So who, uh, you know, the content, the favorite is Gonzaga. Who do you think matches up best against Gonzaga? Is it Baylor who's at the number two? Because their offense is really great, but it, can their defense really do anything against Gonzaga? Is there a more defensive team like Texas, you know, that could maybe prove a problem to them? Is there a team Villanova has has a great coaching that might be able to find a way around Gonzaga, even if they haven't been impressive yet. Who do you think that contender is? Yeah, I mean, absolutely a, a tough question with with how good Gonzaga looks. And and like you mentioned, all the different scores they have, like it, it, they seem to have almost no weak, weaknesses. Um, but, I, you know, the team that could beat them might, it might not even be in the top 10. I think the NCAA tournament is, is really all about matchups. And the last two losses that Gonzaga's had in the tourney were to Texas Tech, uh, 75 to 69 and to Florida state 75 to 60. So I think what you're looking for is a, as a team that is committed to the defensive side of the ball while also having a lot of length and a lot of size to, to disrupt passing lanes, to block shots, to get rebounds. So that's where I think Baylor has almost all those, but they're not quite, they're not a very like big team. I, like their center, I think is more like six, nine, uh, like Jared Butler's not like the tallest dude in the world. So I think that they don't quite have all the formula. I I'm going to go with the, uh, the two t- teams that Rick Barnes has coached last. I'm going to go with Tennessee and I'm going to go with Texas. I think both teams are, are absolutely committed to, to the defensive side of the ball. They both have loads of athleticism and size to make life difficult for the Zags. Cause I, I think, I think you have to slow Gonzaga down. And I think that's the only way you can win. I, I don't see another good offensive team outplaying them offensively. I think it has to be a team that's going to, you know, like I said, get in the passing lane, create turnovers, out rebound them, and really get it done defensively. Um, and so maybe I would even go more Texas because I think Texas has a little bit of a better offense than Tennessee, even though Tennessee has maybe a little bit of a better defense. But it's it's pretty even defensively between those two teams. Yeah, I agree. It's all going to be about matchup. Uh, I, I I lean towards. I don't think it's going to matter if they get a much worse team in the matchup. They're still going to be in that final four where they'll face another high seed. So I went between Baylor and Villanova as the two and three. Yes, Villanova, you know, not as impressive as usual, but I kind of I kind of give it to the to the tournament side of things. You know, the people that are used to being there, they do well regardless of how the regular season has gone for them. So I'm I'm actually leaning uh, towards Villanova. I think that, you know, I think Jay Wright is great. And I think that, I think that if there's a team that is worse than Gonzaga that can still beat Gonzaga, it's going to be because they're really coached really well, uh, by a guy who's, I mean, Villanova has, has in, in the tournaments, they've gone really far. They haven't looked like the best team and they, and they still made it. So I think that they're a team that might be able to upset Gonzaga. Uh, I would go with Baylor. I need to see how they play against Texas. That game got canceled. They have the Illinois win, uh, they've had a lot of cancellations, so I need to see who they are after all these postponements. You know, not saying anything's going to change, but I, I, I do. I want to see how they play against Texas, which is why I'm I'm pausing on that uh, because I think Texas might. I think Texas could beat them. Uh, but Texas was the other one I was toying with. I was toying with Texas and Villanova outside of those top two. I think Texas is a good defensive team. I'm not really sure whether any defense is going to be able to stop Gonzaga. But you're right. If Shaka Smart, you know, another guy that can get it done. Uh, and you know, a little caveat. Yeah, Villanova I worry. Beat- I worry about Villanova's defensive side. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're, you're right. I I, I mean, because like I I agree with you. I don't think you're, I don't think you're going to really like, stop Gonzaga. But like even those, I mean, the two the two games I brought up, the Texas Tech Florida State loss that they had in the tournament, those were also really really strong uh, defenses. But just like being able to kind of create a little bit more havoc, like I think I think I think you have to do it defensively. And so I'm just not sure. Because I think Villanova will have a really good offense. 
that want to spread the ball and spread the floor and everything. But I just, I'm, I don't know if they have it defensively. Jay Wright's not really known for being, you know, a terrific defensive head coach, terrific offensive head coach, but I, I just wouldn't want to get into a shootout with Gonzaga. I think once that happens, I think you've lost the game at that point. That's, that's why the Hawks didn't really have much of a chance because like you're, you're not going to be Gonzaga at their game. Right. I, and I agree. And I just don't, I think Jay Wright has been in that tournament long enough to know the teams that he can't get a shootout in, which is why I'm giving him the edge. I'm giving him a lot of credit for sure, but uh, they're not the strongest defensive team, but I also think, like I said, I don't know if matchups going to be, and I agree like in the last two years, but this Gonzaga team seems, you know, even different than those last two times that they've lost that they're just so much stronger. So I think it might have to be somebody who's super experienced as a head coach in that, in that, uh, in that team that will be able to figure out a way to beat them. Cause ah, man, I, they just look so unbeatable. It's hard to talk best contender because I don't think there is one really uh, in comparison to the Bulldogs. It, it does become a little bit. <laughs> and see, I guess that's why I think matchup does matter because I think if you're just going by, all right, who's the best, like better team, like it's Gonzaga. So it, I think it has to be a, a sort of like matchup that just isn't good for them. Uh, and even then I think the other two, like, Texas or Tennessee, whoever would have to play the perfect game. Like I think, even even a bad matchup, I think Gonzaga, I would still lean to getting the W. You know, right? Exactly. Uh, it's hard to talk about when you have such a great team. Uh, but Villanova also beat Texas, which is I know that they're not the same team, but I, I I also think that it's something to to hang your hat on. Uh, and also they beat Marquette, so that's something you have to keep in mind as well. Uh, There's the truth. That's why you picked Villanova. <laughs> the win against Marquette. That makes. That makes more sense now. It definitely helped me for sure. Let's talk dark horse teams though. We talked about some teams, you know, Tennessee was definitely a team that surprised you brought up, but for very good points. Uh, but who do you think is a dark horse team that can go far in this tournament? I'm not saying win because that's hard to say because against Gonzaga and stuff, but yeah. Yeah. And, and you never know, like I always hate when people like make their like final four prediction. I'm like, well, how, you don't even know who they're going to have to play. So it, that seems yeah. ridiculous to make those sort of predictions before you got the bracket. I actually went with somebody who's, who's just outside the top 25. I went with Louisville. Uh, Chris Mack, I think is one of the best coaches in college basketball. He made Xavier in, into a perennial NCAA competitor. Like they, there were great teams from the Musketeers year in and year out, much better than, than you would expect from, from a, a school like that. Uh, and when he took over for the Cardinals, like that program was just an absolute mess because of the actions of Rick Pitino and, and his staff. But he's he's quickly bringing Louisville back to the top of college basketball. They're they're eight and one now. They just got a great win last night over Virginia Tech. And, and like all MAC teams, like this this squad is going to play with a ton of effort. You know, you're going to get 40 minutes of hard work from those guys. So I think they'll they'll have high intensity on defense. I think they've got a, a good offense, and I think you know. The ACC will be a good little place for them to get tested in a lot of different ways. And I think they can make a, a run in, in the conference and then watch out. There you go. I love that pick. Very interesting one. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to disagree with you again, not because just because you disagreed with this pick. I'm going Michigan, actually. I am going Michigan. I Here's the thing. Regardless of what you want to say about them not playing the Big Ten teams that are really strong, because you're right, they haven't played the Big Three. They haven't played Iowa, Illinois, or Wisconsin. So there's still a lot to be said. But in terms of teams early in the season that I'm liking, you know, five Big Ten wins is impressive considering how crazy the Big Ten is this year. You know, that that's just, you have to hang your hat on that. I think Hunter Dickinson's really good, the freshman center. He's averaging 18 points a game and eight rebounds. 
You know, you have Isaiah Olivers, who's a really good senior. You have Franz Wagner, who you remember Moritz Wagner, what he did in, in Michigan. So I'm not saying they're the same player. They're absolutely not. But I, I think that they are very similar, though. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it. I always thought it was I was like, am I two years ahead? What's going on right now? Um, no, but you know what they remind me of? They remind me of that Michigan team in, in terms of not they weren't as good. They're not as good as that Michigan team a couple of years ago, but they're kind of unassuming and and talented core. You know, they, they always come to play. That's the reason they're 10 and 0. And I think if they can go into Iowa, into Illinois, into Wisconsin and get one or two wins there, that'll prove to me that, you know, they're going to be a tough team to beat uh, and they can make a little run. Oh, for sure. I like, I don't think, I was never trying to say, like, I don't, I don't think Michigan's good as much as I was like, I think they deserve to be 10 right now because I, I, they haven't like really had a big statement. Um, but I agree with you. I think like, it's it's a team that's like be- better than the sum of its parts. Like it, everyone just kind of contrib- contributes. They don't really rely on one player to ha- kind of have to carry them. Um, so many guys can can contribute. So I think there's there's definitely the possibility that they could be one of the best teams. I'm just holding holding back on on it until they they really you know get that big statement win. But I I completely agree with you. Yeah, I agree. And I think that uh, we'll I mean, we got a lot of good Big Ten basketball. Speaking of Big Ten basketball, let's go right to it. The Big Ten. It is a slugfest. It is the trenches. It is the hardest conference in the in the I'm not saying best. I'm saying the hardest, though. I, it, it is the, it's uh, the hardest best. conference to play in the country. There you go. I love it. I'm glad you said it. I, I, I didn't have to necessarily. <laughs> I got no problems uh, with saying it. <laughs> there you go. No, but uh, the question remains, you know, everybody's been beating each other up. You know, you got Iowa, obviously, at the five. You got Illinois, Wisconsin, Michigan, Rutgers, (laughs) Northwestern, Minnesota. They've all been getting wins here and there, Uh, even Maryland, you know, who we we play today. So it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. But who do you think the best in the Big Ten is? Is it it still Iowa? Is it or do you or do you lean towards someone else? They have the best ranking. But what do you what do you think? For now, I am still going with the Hawks. And and I think partly it, it was kind of the the win against Rutgers that really impressed me that that I still think they are because I think my dad always used to say this like adage of he's like you got to go undefeated at home and you have to win 50% of your games on the road to really have a chance to you know win the conference and I think what that Rutgers game told me a lot was that this team is learning from games you could tell they learned from their mistakes in the Minnesota game and, and they saw that that game out so the, the fact that you can you know take a loss and actually take something from it and say, okay, we, we can get better. This, we did this wrong. How, how are we going to improve? Because it's easy. It's easy to call out what you did wrong. It's not so easy to go and, and implicate, you know, the, the, the corrections to those mistakes. So them doing that, I proved a lot to me. And I just think, I just still think they're the most like strongest team. Like, like they're not quite like Michigan because there is Luca Garza, but there are so many different contributors. You got Keegan Murray now who, who's playing, just terrifically, like I, if everybody on the Hawkeye team gave the effort that that kid has, we'd be national champions. But um, I, I think the rotation I'm still worried about. Sometimes Fran doesn't quite get the right uh, right guys in there uh, when they should be. I don't know why Keegan Murray isn't the first guy off the bench, but uh, hopefully he'll he'll kind of get that uh, you know toned down and figured out a little bit. But yeah, I still go with them because I think Illinois still has the same questions of. Do do they play too much hero ball? Can Wisconsin really score enough? Do they really have the guys that can can get the buckets? Um, and then you know Michigan, you know are they are they legit? 
Um, and then, of course, there's still like Michigan. Like Michigan State is one of those teams that Michigan State could probably finish ninth in the Big Ten and will make the Final Four because that's what Tom Izzo freaking does. Right. I, w- I want everyone to know, I'm going to read my notes out loud here. I usually paraphrase them, but I, ne- I need you to know how in sync me and Matt are. So I'm going to read my notes right now. I said, Iowa, Illinois is still too reliant on their two talents. Wisconsin, you still ask who can provide a real high scoring game. And Michigan is good, but they haven't played the strong Big Ten teams yet. <laughs> I literally I love it. <laughs> I literally was like, are you just going to take all my points? Yeah, that's fine. No, but I, I agree. I, I mean, we're in agreement. I think Wisconsin, you know, you want to say Trice, but he's scoring 14.2 points per game. That's nothing. That's nothing. So you can't really point to him, and he's not consistent enough. Michigan still hasn't played the top three. Illinois, Kofi Cockburn and, and Ayodesuma are two of the best players in the country, but you need more if you're going to be there. There's a reason that they are not in the top 10, uh, rightfully so. And Iowa, you know, they beat out Rutgers and Northwestern. After that tough Minnesota loss, I agree. I think they're learning from their mistakes. Jordan Bohannon seems to be finding his groove, which is always good for a senior uh, kind of leadership to have in a team like Iowa. And Garza's still averaging 27.5 points per game. So as long as that's happening, I think they will stay in that uh, upper echelon of the Big Ten, most likely at the top. Uh, let's go right into Iowa talk, though. You know, how are the Hawks looking? Their, their schedule, just for January, just so you know, they're currently at 9-2. and two. They have Maryland tonight. Then they have Michigan State, Northwestern, Indiana, Nebraska before playing Illinois. So you look at those games, MSU, Illinois are kind of the two big ones. How many losses? They're at 9-2. and two. How many losses do you think they can afford in those five games considering how crazy the Big Ten has been? Oh, man. That's that's tough. I mean, I think, I think you could like foreseeably afford two losses out of the, out of the next few games. Um, like, I don't think going into Illinois and losing would really be a bad thing. But, like, when you really look at it, like, okay, you go on the road to Northwestern, we go on the road tonight to Maryland. Two teams that are good, but two teams that the Hawkeyes sh- should beat, uh, even on the road. So, like, I think they can probably afford two losses. But I, I think because then Indiana's at home, Nebraska's at home, Michigan State's at home, Minnesota's at home. You you have to win your own games, like your home games. If you want to win your conference, I don't care what conference it is, you have to protect home court. So I think they can probably afford two losses, but really I think if this team wants to be where they want to be, and that's Big Ten champions and, and you know a top seed in the tournament, I think only one loss is really what you would like to see. But y- I think you can afford two. Hell, in this crazy Big Ten, you might be able to uh, afford three, but I really think like one is what you're you're really, really shooting for if you want to be the team you think you are. Right. I mean, I'm being a little harsher on them just because of the teams that I didn't say. I didn't say anything about Michigan and I didn't say anything about Wisconsin. And I think that I think that those games are going to come up next month right before the tournament and you want to be in a good position. Illinois has been too inconsistent. We can beat them. MSU, good team always. We can beat them. The rest of the teams we should beat. I think we should go. I'm not saying we can't afford a loss. Of course we can. It's the Big Ten. Everybody's crazy. But I think for Iowa to be, like you said, where they want to be going into the tournament, going into February, the, the crucial month, kind of, you want them to be uh, you want them to be six and0 going off, which is such a which is such an obvious thing to say. Of course, you want to be the six and0 that's, that's it fair. probably won't it probably won't happen. I mean, the, the question too is like, you know, from outside, like, yeah, like I think without taking into consideration the other the guy, like other teams, like I think one loss is probably 
at the bare minimum. But we've seen the cannibalization of of the Big Ten. It hasn't hit Michigan yet, but it's coming. Michigan's going to start dropping games. We've already seen Wisconsin lose to Maryland. So, you know, your wiggle room of losses really also just determines on on the play of, of you know, a conference that's been ter- like tearing each other apart. Right, exactly. And uh, hopefully the Hawkeyes can avoid uh, too much cannibalism, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, let's go out just to end out the college basketball talk. Give a shout out, Matthew, if you would, for a player, uh, any player uh, for their play in the college basketball world right now. I'm going with uh, Ike Oboyagu, uh, the center for Seton Hall. He started, he was a freshman at Florida State, transferred to Seton Hall, and the guy's been an absolute beast swatting any shot that comes near him. He leads the country with 41 blocks, averages 3.15 blocks a game, which is the highest for a major conference uh, player. And he really is like a one-man cleanup crew for a Pirates defense that otherwise isn't all that great. So he he makes up for a lot of deficiencies on that Seton Hall team. But uh, Ike Abiyagu, who's just been a, a monster blocking shots. Love that. SWAT! Love it. I love it. I We don't give enough swatting uh, accolades here on the podcast. We need to do that more. My sister's to- my sister's boyfriend, when we were watching like the Garza game or the Minnesota game, and like Garza was doing a lot of stuff, he's just like, call that man the janitor because he's here to clean it up. Yes. I love basketball talk like that. That's my favorite. Me too. That's my favorite. Uh, I'm going to go to LSU for my shout out. I'm going to Cameron Thomas. He He is a scoring machine. He has the Tigers at 7-2 and two in the SEC. In the past five games, he's scored no less than 19 points, and he has 25-plus in those other four games. He's a talented freshman who, who's really got the team on his back. He's got a 91.2% free throw percentage, so he's doing really well in there. The question remains, you know, he doesn't do any rebounding or assisting. He has like 1.2 assists per game, so he truly its hero ball in LSU all the way. Uh, but you know what? I love it. I, I think for the freshman to come in and make LSU, especially in an SEC, which we talked about, is kind of wide open, to, uh, except for Tennessee and Mizzou. I mean, really, anybody could win the SEC. Alabama looks good, you know, Kentucky. But and LSU is right Arkansas up. Arkansas is not bad. Like it's it's yeah. it's kind of it's a deep conference this year. It really is. I agreed with, and you said it earlier. And uh, they play Mizzou next, so we'll be able to see what they can do there. But Cameron Thomas, you know, got the got the scoring on his back. Uh, good for the young guy giving him my shout out for the week. All right, we talk college sports. Let's talk some pro sports now. Let's talk the big boys. That's right. Wildcard weekend. There you go. Said it. My, couldn't have said it better myself. It is wildcard weekend. We've got six games to talk about because of the extended playoff picture. Really exciting. Uh, really exciting. I'm not doing anything else on Saturday and Sunday. I, I'm ordering wings from my favorite place here in the city, and I'm just watching and eating. Hell yeah. And that's what I'm doing. Uh, it's what really is fun. it about wings and football? I just They go together. They're, they're just a hell of a combo. And for me, it's like eating them and having like leftovers, and you're just like watching, and you're <laughs> just the whole It's time. a very like, just like visceral thing to you. I just like ripping meat off the bone. Like you feel very like. Ah, right. Exactly. It's that just any, if you feel you feel very ah, man. I I sure have a way with words. You have a way with words. It's football wings and a way with words. No, it's uh, it's it's gonna be really exciting. Lots of games. You know, I, I, you look at the games and and I and I don't know if you feel this way, but I look at the games firsthand. And for me, 
it's clear who's going to win all of them. And then you look at them a little closer and they could all go a different way. They really, really could. It's really exciting that way because, you know, there's definitely favorites. Uh, and that, some That right there, I feel like, just is like, that's the NFL playoffs. Like, you look at the games, you're like, well, this team should win. And then you, like, look at it more and you're like, but I, I don't actually know. Yeah, you don't, don't know anything. Uh, and so because of that, we're going to pick who's going to win. <laughs> Speaking of that, so let's do it. That's right. Regular season picks are over. Matt won that game. Don't you worry, ladies and gentlemen. I'm coming back with a playoff pick win in this one. So let's get it started. We're going to go to the Bills-Colts AFC game. Bills obviously finishing right below. You know, in a normal season, they would have gotten, you know, that that bye week. Obviously, with the extended playoffs, they do not. They get the Colts. Obviously, the Colts defense is great. Josh Allen is great. Stephon Diggs is great. You know, the question is, how good can the Colts defense be so that the offense of the Colts can hold up with the offense of the Bills? In my eyes, there's not a situation that that happens. I think the Colts defense is good, but Josh Allen is simply better. He gets a tough 10-point win, moves on to the divisional round. The line is 6.5, so Buffalo does cover that spread. In my eyes, how about you? You see the Bills moving on from this one. Yeah, I do. And, and I think you, you like you really you mentioned the big part of it, like the, the Colts defense has been has been so good this year. Jonathan Taylor really, you know, starting to, to emerge into that kind of running back. We, we thought he could be here in the pros, but it, it kind of comes down to Philip Rivers. And, and while he's been serviceable, he hasn't quite been, you know, the quarterback I think they were hoping for. That's why that's why there's already a lot of rumors about, you know, the Colts getting Matt Stafford or, or someone else in this offseason. I think we all know that Philip Rivers hasn't really been what they wanted to uh, t- to see at quarterback. Meanwhile, you know, Josh Allen on the other side just finished a breakout year, one of the most impressive years for a guy who, I mean, his progression, you, you don't see that a lot. Like he he did not look all that good as a young quarterback. And, and now he looks like exactly what you want from a quarterback. He's got the athleticism, he's got the arm strength, and now he's got the decision-making as well. They're the hottest team in the NFL. I'm going, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I think they, I think they get an easy win, 34-17, and their first home playoff win since 1995. Congratulations, Buffalo. You're getting that win uh, first time. In like, you weren't even alive. I wasn't even – 1995? I wasn't alive. Oh, my goodness. That's crazy. The Bills have just – I was insane. two. I was two. I, that's nuts. Neither of us remember it for different reasons. Anyway, let's. I wasn't. I wasn't conceived yet, and you just weren't conscious, really. Yet. Yeah, I might have been watching, but I didn't freaking know. There you go. All right. Well, we got in the AFC another exciting matchup. It's a rematch from last year's playoffs. It's the Ravens and Titans. Matt, how do you see this one going? You know, I think uh, I mentioned the Bills being the hottest team in the NFL. I'd say the, the Ravens are, are the second hottest team. And, uh, you know, we we kind of – I think we both, like, pick them as the as the dark horse in the AFC, but they almost don't even feel like a dark horse. Like, they kind of feel like the third best team in the AFC right now, um, especially, you know, they're, they're favored in this game. So, clearly, we are the only ones that, you know, think they're they're better than their seed may, may you know, give them credit for. Lamar is starting to throw the ball well, and I think a lot of that too is is the emergence of Marquise Brown as being more than just a deep threat. Like he, he always made big plays for them, but now it's not just like go deep, Marcus and Marquise, and, and catch it. He he really is, you know, being more of a, a complete wide receiver, which I think helps. We know how good that running game is with J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, and uh, the defense is stout. While the Titans' defense can't stop a single pass play, so I got the Baltimore winning this one, thirty-one or thirty to twenty-one. 
Yeah, I love it. Baltimore's favored by three and a half. And honestly, I don't think that's fair. I think they should be favored by more. What about the Titans game against the Packers made you think that they can do anything? Actually, let me rephrase that. What about the Titans game against the Texans makes you think that they can do anything? They can't do anything. They can only rely on their run game. Don't get me wrong. A great one. Don't get me wrong. Derrick Henry, a beast. But Ravens defense is good on the run. They're going to force Ryan Tannehill to throw And especially in that Packers game, what makes you think he can throw? He can't. I mean, it's going to be really, really – and granted, the Baltimore secondary I think is a little worse than the Packers secondary. But you said it right here. You know, Lamar is red hot. He has found his groove. He knows how to throw. He's still got the running thing going. Hollywood Brown is scoring touchdowns. I think he's got four in his last four. So he's becoming that scoring threat. You can't forget about Mark Andrews who who was injured most of the end of the season. He will be a factor in that end zone as well. And J.K. Dobbins looking to break out further uh, with Gus Edwards there to help if he's not. You know, I think the Ravens easily win this one by 10, move on to the divisional round, and then cover that spread. So I definitely agree with you. I I'm doesn't feel like an upset team. Dude, when I saw that three and a half line, I was licking my chops. I was like, yes, please. All my money. <laughs> All my money. Yeah, seriously. Right there. Oh, right there. Uh, okay, well, let's go to another game which was supposed to be more exciting. You know, it was the one we picked as the most interesting game. The AFC North battle between the Browns and the Steelers. Steelers favored by six. Browns beat them in week 17, which was a matchup that just happened. Obviously, the Steelers were resting players, but it was going to be the AFC North big brother, little brother battle that we wanted to see, especially with the Steelers kind of falling off the cliff at the end of the season. However, due to some unforeseen circumstances, Kevin Stefanski will not be there and in my head, that's 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 huge. That there's I don't know if there's any coming back from that. There's a reason we picked him as coach of the year in our predictions, and it's because he's the reason that the Browns are as good as they are. With him not there, as unimpressive as the Steelers are, I think they win. I don't think they cover the spread. I'm giving them a field goal win in this one. You know, I, I do think that the Browns still can find their run game without Stefanski, but they're going to miss him a lot. And I think that uh, Pittsburgh showed that they can beat the Browns even without their starters almost. So I, I think that the Steelers do get this one. They're lucky, but they get this one. Uh, Browns cover the spread by a little bit, but Steelers moving on. Yeah, I mean, that's Stavansky news just like completely changed this game. Because at first it was like, you know, you got the Browns corners who can't make a play on the ball. You got the Steelers receivers who can't catch the ball. You know, something, something's got to give. But uh, like – that not having your head coach and not even just your head coach, but he's also the play caller. Like we, we saw how much Clemson was affected by not having their, their play caller. Like that, that's a really big thing to be missing because it's, it's just, it's not just like knowing what plays are effective or whatever, but you know, you have more of a sense of the game. You have more of a sense of, of what play is the right play at that time for your team. And I think too, with the Browns, like the Browns are a running team and, and I worry for them and for their sake that, not having their normal play caller there, sometimes people just get scared and they don't want to run the ball anymore. And if they don't run the ball, they they have no shot. So I actually do. I got the Steelers barely covering the sp- spread, twenty four to seventeen. Um, but yeah, it's it's disappointing not having Stefanski there because he's done such a great job too. Yeah, it is a disappointing end to a really good season. And the Browns can hang their hat that they're in the playoffs. They build on the the weapons they have. And uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. But I, you know. They can still do it. It's just it becomes hey, hard. Maybe maybe it's more to like I said, more uh, Baker Mayfield back against the wall. Maybe maybe this is just what he needs: his head coach and his play caller to not be there. And that's and that's when we see the best of Baker. 
but uh, it's it's tough to see that happening. Yeah, I mean, over under on Baker Mayfield doing something on the logo if he beats the Steelers in the division in the, in the wild card playoff. <laughs> I'm taking the over on that one. Yeah, <laughs> oh, and he boy. deserves to, and he deserves to. Let me tell you, he's gone through some shit. No, but I agree. It's it, it's hard. It's 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 going to be really hard. And I, as much as I hope that we see Baker play phenomenally, the more likely thing is that Baker kind of, you know, is a little lost without him and tries this, to do too much. Tries to do too much, and that's not the quarterback that he's good at being. He's good at being the quarterback that's situational, and uh, he's got a lot of talent for that. And yeah, I mean, hopefully the Browns make this a closer game. But I agree. I think the Steelers get lucky in this one. Very, very lucky. And I'm definitely not picking them no matter who they play in the next round. So there you go. Uh, The Bears play the Saints. Let's go over to the NFC. The Bears play the Saints. Saints favored by 10 points. What do you think, Matt? 10 points for the Saints? It's it's a big line, you know. And mostly I just think the Saints are probably happy that they get to play, you know, the uh, Chicago Bears instead of the Minnesota Vikings as far as the NFC North (laughs) opponents go. They can't seem to beat them in the playoffs. Uh, you know, Trubisky was playing pretty well, but we did see that the Bears against the Packers, that they're, they're just not quite there yet when it comes to the top of the NFC. Um, I, yeah, playoff games are normally very tight, like like we were saying before. Like, yeah, all six of these games look kind of obvious, but that that's the NFL for you. I mean, nobody expected the Titans to be uh, in the AFC Championship last year, so so crazy things do happen. But I think the, the, the Saints offense has, has looked just really, really sharp the last couple of weeks. Uh, they get Alvin Kamara back. And I think, too, th- this defense and the, the turnover-prone quarterback that Trubisky is, I, th- I think they cause at least three turnovers. And I got the Saints winning 34-20. to 20. Okay, there you go. 14-point win for the Saints. I'm going to put a little more faith in Trubisky. He's been one of the better quarterbacks on the tail end of the season. The Bears' defense is capable, and the Saints' offense, while they've looked sharper – don't let Kamara fool you. He's a receiving run. The, the, their run game is not very well established either. And I think that hurts them a lot of the time, especially when you have Drew Brees trying to do too much at the age that he's at. Uh, they played each other early in the season, and it was a 26 to 23 overtime win for the Saints with Foles starting. So it kind of makes you question, you know, how well does the Saints match up against the Bears defense? For me, it's a question of the running backs. You know, you got David Montgomery and you got Alvin Kamara. It's who can do more damage for their team. They've both been phenomenal. You know, obviously, both kind of been unstoppable. I mean, obviously, Kamara with that touchdown game that was ridiculous and and David Montgomery going over. He's still scoring touchdowns right now. Still, He's still giving Hogan the win in fantasy. Still, He's still racking up the points. My goodness. Uh, no, but I, I, I agree. I think the Saints defense, I, I, what I'm expecting is a low-scoring game. And I think that the Saints offense gets stopped a lot, but that the Saints defense gets enough toe and rovers to get the job done. I have the Bears covering the spread, but I have the Saints winning by seven in that one. And uh, you're right. Saints just happy. They don't have to play Kirk Cousins because apparently Kirk Cousins is is uh, is Midwestern for kryptonite. Kirk I don't Cousins, know. Case, Case Keenum. It was Case Keenum in the, the Minneapolis Miracle. I did, the Vikings themselves are just the – the best team against the saints no matter what it's nuts all right well let's go over to a very interesting battle it's the nfc west it's the wild wild west it's the seahawks versus the rams uh the seahawks are currently favored by three and a half points and you question you know rams are the defense is absolutely dominant and the seattle offense has been absolutely stagnant i say it again 
what happened to Pete Carroll? Who hurt Pete Carroll that he doesn't run the ball anymore? I don't understand it, especially for a team that used to run the ball all the time. Who hurt you? Who hurt you? Who hurt you, Pete Carroll? I don't know, but uh, it, it, it is kind of – Marshawn different. left and he took all the running plays with him or something. I don't, I don't know. He stole the running plays from the room. Yeah, with the, give me that playbook. That's mine now. Thank you very much. No, um, I, 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 I would take the Rams in this one. And honestly, even with what I'm about to say – I, I I almost took the Rams. Unfortunately for LA, um, Jared Goff is out, and I also think Russell Wilson's experience in the playoffs is going to be a little hard uh, to overcome. You know, I, I think that does help. Not that the Rams don't have experience. Obviously, they went to the Super Bowl recently, but Russell has more experience there uh, for sure. I don't trust the Seahawks as far as I can throw them, but I'm giving them a seven-point win in this one simply based on those two factors that LA doesn't have their quarterback um, they have some guy, uh, some business guy in there um, as their quarterback. So that's that's kind of what it is there. And Russell, you know, he does well in the playoffs. Uh, you know, what I will say one more time, I'm going to harp on this. If the Seahawks don't run the ball more than 15 times in this game, I'm predicting not that they lose. I'm predicting that Russell gets hurt by Aaron Donald and there goes your franchise. Like that's what I'm thinking. It's almost dangerous at this point to not run the ball more. Because you're just putting Russell at the mercy of these guys, and you want to know who you don't want to put him at the mercy of? Aaron freaking Donald. That's not what you yep. want. To do. But what do you think? You think the Rams have a chance in this one? It's a three and a half point spread right now for the Hawks. Yeah, I do. I think the Rams actually have a really good chance. I think out of all these playoff teams, bar maybe Washington, no, nah, actually not even Washington. I think out of all these playoff teams, the Rams are the ones that can afford to lose their starting quarterback the most. I, I think Goff does some good stuff in that offense, but I think Goff does good stuff in that offense because Sean McVay is a really, really good coach. So I think he's going to put Walford in, in the right positions. They're going to you know, rely on that running game. I agree with you too. Like If Seattle doesn't run the ball, they're not going to win this game. Like They just won't um, because that defense is too good. Uh, I'm going to put a little faith in McVay, and take, I think he's going to outcoach Carroll. And I got the Rams winning. I, I've got no upsets yet, so I have to pick at least one. So I'm going to go LA 20 to 17. Oh, that's nice. I didn't pick any upsets. Uh, just as a spoiler, I I went I went neutral. I it, it's a close one. I think Seahawks are definitely the most likely team to get upset. Uh, like I said, I can't be more angry about their run game. I really, really can't. It's the fly in my beer every day of my life. But uh, it just makes but, no sense too. Like you said, like it's not like it's not like it's a team that like has no history of having a really strong run game like that. Uh, it's so stupid. Right. It, 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 yeah. It's like if the Bucks all of a sudden came out in this game, which we'll talk about in a sec, and we're just like, Tom Brady, you're just going to throw the ball 13 times a game because we just feel like that's how we win. And it's like, really? Because that doesn't seem like the most effective use of your time. Forgot um, your identity there, I guess. A uh, little identity crisis. I understand. Uh, no, but the last NFC game – uh, I mentioned it just now, the Bucks. they are playing the Washington football team, the NFC East winners. The Bucks are currently favored by eight. What do you think? Is that fair, Matt? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the line is certainly fair um, because we know how much Washington's struggled. But, like, I, this game just intrigues me a lot. You know, Chase Young said he wants Tampa Tom and he, he's going to get him. I think the Washington quarterback issues, you know, is it going to be Henneke? Is it going to be Smith? Sounds like it might be both of them. That, you know, that gives you a little worry. I'm not sure how much Washington will be able to move the ball. So I think for them, and even for Tampa, like this this game is going to come down to the defensive line of Washington 
against the offensive line of Tampa. Because if the defensive line of Washington can get to, to, to Tom, can create turnovers so that they're scoring opportunities that, that you know, the offense doesn't have to take it 80 yards, um, then, then Washington, I think, can win this game. And, and I'm not sure – Tampa's Tampa's not going to be able to completely stop that D line. Like they, they just won't. It's just how disruptive will that D line be? I got Tampa Bay winning, but I'm gonna, I'm going to have Washington cover the spread. I, I got Tampa Bay winning twenty eight to twenty four. Okay, I love that. Yeah, Tom, when you're when you're Tom Brady and you're a living legend, what happens is everybody wants to make a name out of you, and that's like what it is. And Chase Young, what a way to announce a uh, rookie of the year season by by getting to Tom Brady and beating them in the playoffs. That would be. That would truly be remarkable to watch. And uh, I'm all for the upsets. My team isn't in anymore, so I'm all for the upsets. Chaos reign, please. <laughs> I'm so down. Hey, I mean, if, if Seattle and uh, New Orleans both win and then the Washington can pull it out, that means the Packers get Washington in, in the next round. So I, I wouldn't be too upset with that with that draw. Right. Uh, you know, Washington, yeah, yeah, you had a good – you, you won the NFC East. Congratulations. I'm not giving you a participation trophy, though. So, you know, I think their defensive front is good. I just, in the end, I think they're just going to need too many turnovers to help their offense out. You know, I, I, I just think you, they can get turnovers. Don't get me wrong. And obviously, Chase Young probably will get one somewhere. But they won't get too many from Brady in the playoffs. That's, like, not going to happen. So, I, I think... The offense is a little too stagnant. I mean, obviously love what Alex Smith is doing, but even with Alex Smith playing as good as he can, I think that offense is, is going to be hard-pressed to to match up with Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown is becoming a touchdown hawk. And, I mean, you still look for Gronkowski to come alive in the end zone in the playoffs. you got you got to question that as well. So, uh, yeah, I see the Bucks winning by 10 in this one. I'm, I do have them covering the spread. But you're right. Could be an interesting one, uh, and we'll see what happens. And with that... The wild card picks are in. Excited to watch some football this weekend. I'm sure we'll all be coming back next week and being like, oh, well, we were wrong. Completely wrong. <laughs> oh, so Philip Rivers throws for five touchdowns and beat the Bills, you say. Oh, okay. <laughs> we know nothing, understood. <laughs> that is that is the NFL playoffs right there. No. You know nothing, Jon Snow. You know nothing, Jon Snow. No, but uh, with that, we are done with the episode. Usually we go into a little cool down period, but we're going to go right into it. There's no cool down for you, Matthew. It is the quick fire questions cool time. Cool down. <laughs> no, there's no. Yeah, well, it's not happening. So just get your your seats hot. Let's do it. Quick fire questions. cool of a cool down. All right, bring no. it on. Bring it on, you son of a bitch. Like that icy hot pack. It's cool for a second. <laughs> it's like <laughs> Icy hot pack. <laughs> that's perfect I, I just put one on right now i'm ready there you go all right who is more likely to miss the super bowl the kansas city chiefs or the green bay packers i i kind of think the chiefs i might be i mean i might be being a homer here but i just think that like i know the saints are good but i don't think the seahawks like i think the saints and tampa are probably the only real big threats i i see for green bay i think like the bills and the ravens are a lot bigger threats for the chiefs so i, I think maybe it's it's less about me thinking like that the packers have a better chance or a better team as much as the the teams that uh kansas city might have to get through i think are are more difficult than the teams that pat the packers would would play Right. I mean, I agree. I think the AFC is a little more formidable uh, for that number one seed than the NFC is. There's a lot of questions with the NFC for sure. All right. Currently, there are three Big Ten teams in the top 10 of the college basketball rankings. 
How many Big Ten teams do you think end up in the top 10 after the bruising is done? That's a that's a tough one. Um, Man, I think I think probably two. Two. I think like I think I think like whoever the top two are are, are at at the top of the conference, I think will separate themselves enough and i think too like the con like even if the top two in the conference have a few losses i think the respect that the conference has by the pollsters and just you know nationwide that like they might have a few more losses than than other teams in the top 10 but like those losses the value of those losses are going to be a little bit more like if you know iowa wins the big 10 and has seven losses and tennessee wins the sec and has like four losses i still think like those kind of record-wise kind of equate just because of of the competition. So I'll go with two. All right. And uh, I'm going to be evil here for a second because I thought of another question that wasn't here, but it's piggybacking off of this one. Do you think a Big Ten team ends up in the top five? Yes. Yeah, Okay. I do. Okay. I love that. I love that. Giving the Big Ten some love. Uh, I felt that was a good question. I think it was. So there you go. All right. It was. Thank you. Uh, the Wizards are currently two and six, and they lost their last game despite Bradley Beal scoring sixty points. Russell Russell Westbrook didn't do poorly either; he scored twenty, and both played close to forty minutes in this game. Do you think they make the playoffs? I I don't. I mean, I just like I just think there's like too much for them to to overcome and to, and to like kind of figure out. And I think also too like the. The East is just a little more formidable than it used to be. Like Philly, Doc Rivers, whatever he's done in Philly, it's working right now. They're seven and one. I think the Nets, even though the Nets are struggling, are still going to be good. You got Milwaukee, you got the Heat, you got the Celtics. Like I think there's just so many other teams. And then you know, not to mention the good starts by like the Cavaliers, the Magic, the Hawks. One of them might be able to sneak in. So I just think the the uphill battle that is in front of Washington, I like. They're going to have to flip the switch like that, and I and I don't see that happening. Well, there you go. Bradley Beal thought he was getting a playoff run, and he will not be. Sad stuff. I thought uh, he was going to. Yeah, I did too. I absolutely did. Uh, So, you know, there's still time, obviously, early things. We're just making – we're just saying stuff at this point. But uh, it's been a bad start, and we'll see if they can turn it around. All right, and before we go, Matt, I'm going to give you the floor. Thank you, Yannick. I appreciate that. I I mentioned this the other day um, that my aunt was – in the middle of a battle with cancer. And unfortunately, later that day, Tuesday, March 7th, my Aunt Liz passed away after a, a long, hard fight with lung cancer. It's been an extremely tough week. Um, Liz was just a special person. She always knew how to make you laugh, never took herself too seriously. Like She was a person that could laugh at herself as, as well as anyone I've ever met and, and had more love than one can even quantify. Uh, I even remember, because I, I, I posted something on, on Instagram, and I, I hesitated at first because... I didn't want it to be like I was using my grief to get likes or something like that. But as I thought about it more, I, I knew I needed to because I wanted to share with everyone I know just how much I loved Liz and what she meant to me and what a special kind of relationship we had together. And um, I even thought, you know, if, if being in Iowa for, you know, 10 months out of this last year due to COVID helped lead to me getting to spend more time with her and, and being with her this week, I, I'd say it's been more than worth it. Uh, I want I want to thank everybody who has reached out and offered their condolences. And uh, Jan, I want to thank you. And, and you and me even discussed us delaying this episode, or are you doing it solo? But 
I knew that wasn't what my aunt Liz would want. She'd want me to to fight and work for my dreams and to enjoy every minute of my life and to not take anything for granted. Um, you know, if you listen to this podcast, how much I love my quotes. And as Gandalf says, she's on to the next journey. Death is not the end. And, and he also said, I will not say do not weep for not all tears are an evil. And uh, I think that that's really rung true for me this week when I think about losing her because um, there's been a lot of tears, but they've been um, shed in, in happy remembrance of the time we had together. So I love you, Liz. I miss you. Uh, and you can be damn sure I'll make you proud. There you go. And uh, for everyone who knows Matt and listens to this podcast, you know that's 100% true. Uh, and I want to thank you for, you know, being brave enough to talk about that. I know it's not it's not easy, and uh, but I'm glad that we we had this time. And I did better uh, I did better than I thought I was going to do. <laughs> when I was typing it up, I was like, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get any of these words out. No, yeah, I mean that's, whew, yeah, that's fair. And uh, I, I, my New Year's resolution is to make Matt cry less on this podcast. I really, I, <laughs> I feel like it happens far too often. And uh, people just don't realize how much of a fucking little sap I am. I, th- I think that's true. People don't realize, but uh, it's fine. So am I. That's why we get so heated about normal things on this podcast because we're both suckers. No, it's true. And amen. Uh, amen. Well, thank you for joining us. As as always, stay safe. Wear a mask. The pandemic is still really strong out there. Uh, thoughts out to everybody who's in California. A lot of friends out there and it's, it's getting really tough. So uh, really stay safe out there. Wear a mask. You know, be informed in these times. Stay warm. It's still hot. It's still uh, hot. It's still cold out there. Uh, I'm running off the rails here at the end. So Matt, just just take us out. Hey, hug your loved ones. Thank you all. And cheers, y'all.